Hey guys, happy election day. We've got an awesome episode and interview with Gareth Chandler. But before we get to that, I just want to let everybody know that the event with Greg Raymer is going to be streamed this Saturday from 6 to 10 p.m. Uh, that'll be at twitch.tv slash air. We'll put up a link to that in the show notes. We'll also tweet it out at the time. So if you uh, look us up on Twitter, you know, around 6 p.m. on Saturday, uh, you will be steered to the right place. Our handle is Just Hands Poker. All right. Looking forward to it. Uh, hope, hopefully you guys can join us uh, and enjoy the episode. Thanks. I'm playing 100 uh, pound tournament and our, the main villain in the hand ends up being like quite a good player and he was uh, kind enough to like reveal his whole cards and some of his thinking uh, to me after the hand. So, uh, so we're handed, which I guess some of your listenership will have experienced in their, in their cash game life. So, so some things are quite boring in 10 handed play. We can't, you know, where we just can't be as active as we'd like to be. The villain opens uh, to 1700, I think it was, at 400, 800 in early position. He has a big stack, so he has maybe 100 big blinds. And this player who called on the button, like, I don't think he's ever modified his strategy based on um, anyth- anything but his cards, basically. Like, he's, yeah, he's got a strategy he thinks is a good strategy, and it's tight, aggressive, and uh, he plays it like. Uh, yeah, so he's made he makes some mistakes like uh, raising four times the big blind with pocket tens and like <laughs> where he would otherwise not raise four times the big blind. He's that kind of player. And, right. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Again, I know you guys have a cash game audience. It's so goofy to me, but yeah, I know exactly the kind of player you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think he would go three and a half with ace king and then four <laughs> with tens, like and evidence to you know he would show his hands a lot too. So. Anyways, um, it comes to me in the big blind, and uh, it's 400-800 with a 50 ante, uh-huh. uh, and I have ace-queen off. Um, mm. And what's, so, your, what's your stack size? And I, I think, I don't know if we caught the button yeah. stack size. Oh, the, the button has, like, maybe 40 big blinds, I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, so it's, like, 30, 32,000, 35,000, and I have about... I have sixty thousand to start the hand, so okay. I, uh, and the the villain covers like, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm a little shy of uh, of eighty eighty big blinds. Uh, yeah, so I can never three bet here, in my opinion. Like, um, I suppose I could, but the table's quite soft and the tournament is quite soft. So this guy, who happens to be two to my left, is probably one of the ten best players in the tournament. So I just don't want to play big pots with him ever, uh, if I can avoid it, which I actually almost didn't avoid in, this, in the, the way the hand comes out. But I think there are a lot of arguments against three betting. But yeah. I don't mind it actually. I don't. I, now that I think about it, I don't mind it. I think he would fold a lot, uh, just given how tight or like in line I've been playing up to now. And uh, the guy in the button has worse hands than mine quite a lot but, you know he would three bet ace king so he almost always has some hand i dominate or a pair that he might just hold but i called just to keep my uh I'm, I'm calling so much here in this in this spot uh getting such a good price uh and as a result like i just don't have much of a three bet range so yeah i'm just calling a ton of hands yeah i mean with well, the combination of one you're getting such a great price two 
you have a hand that while you're never going to be super duper comfortable post-flop because both players probably have hands in their range that dominate you, you're going to win you know, a decent amount of runouts. And also you're guaranteed to see a flop. I mean, like in this, for our listeners in the small blind, this is like a totally different story because now we're giving the big blind either a chance to enter the pot, which is pretty likely given his pot odds, or a three bet, you know, which jeopardizes our chance of actually seeing this flop. So in the big blind, for you know, an extra 1.15 big blinds, I definitely like calling. Yeah, I also, I really like calling with this hand specifically because when you're 10-handed and you have, you know, an early position raiser, it's kind of, ace-queen doesn't really fit a 3-bit for value or 3-bit as a bluff. Um, and like Gareth, you were saying, the button has like, you know, pairs that they might fold or like, you know, some dominated aces. Like I think if this player gets ace-jack offsuit, they're not folding. Um and they probably have all the suited aces, or at least most of them in their range, when they flat the button. So, you know, you have a lot of implied odds by flatting here and kind of under-repping your hand. Uh, where if you if you 3-bet for value, I think it's very unlikely you'll get called by the hands that you're dominating. And like you said, you, you kind of want to keep the pots uh, low against one of the better players in this soft 100-pound tournament. So... I, I think you should probably have a bluffing range out of the big blind, but it should be smaller than optimal, and then ace-queen offsuit shouldn't be in that range. So, Gareth, the player in the button, you mentioned that he never really adjusts to anything other than his cards, but I'm just wondering if you think he's adjusting at least somewhat to position. Like, is he calling wider on the button than he would be, you know, in the hijack uh, or in, you know, middle, early position? Uh, yeah, I do think he is like uh, positionally sensitive in some ways, but not enough. You know, like he, yep. yeah, just yeah, he's positionally sensitive, but uh, a lot of insensitive people are sensitive in some ways. That doesn't mean they're sensitive, you know, if that makes sense. So, yeah. um, if we can extend the analogy, like. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think um, as to the previous point, like the value of three betting here is is the times I pick it up pre flop, and um, there are antes, and uh, I am out of position, so there is some value there. But um, we do have really profitable situations with um, an underrepresented hand that may or may not be uh, hand read uh, by our villains like successfully uh, they they might just think i can never have the hand i have like the button specifically yeah it's also a nice spot to trade potential ev for variants and i don't think you're giving up very much if any ev by not rebetting one last question about the button what do you think his three betting range looks like uh his three betting range here is jack's ace king i'm fairly confident it's exactly that if I'm wrong, it might include tens or might not include jacks, but that's pretty much it. And I'll take that as jacks plus, like he's never still playing aces. He might on on a rare occasion, uh, because the small blind is is um, a three bet happy player. But it's, okay. when I have an ace in my hand, it's a very right. very yeah. less not a big consideration, right? Yeah, both him trapping and um, and uh, yeah. So, right, so the flop comes uh, ace, eight, six with the ace of clubs and the eight of clubs. Um, I have the ace of diamonds and the queen of spades. Uh, and I, I'm doing this all from memory, so I don't recall the suit of the six, but it was not a club. Yeah, it was of hearts or, or diamonds. I checked 
and the initial research checks um, good start which surprised me a little bit and then the button checked and uh, the turn is an eight of spades so we have ace of clubs eight of clubs six of hearts and then eight of spades turn so I guess this is their first major decision point I wonder what you two think we should do the yeah the pot is like uh, I think 5800 at this point and uh, like I said we start with 60,000 or so yeah so I think this is an interesting spot because I almost feel like we're overrepresenting our hand by betting here I don't know how many eights you think you're going to have in your range but you'll probably have a decent amount of like Eight nine suited, eight ten suited. I'm guessing for this price pre-flop. So, so when we're betting a hand like Ace Queen, since we don't have that many aces, we're gonna want to come out and you know bet two streets. Not not that we necessarily have to bet two streets, but you know out of position, most of our value hands are we're probably betting two streets. So, I think because you're gonna get some value from the buttons, you know, weak aces. As long as you don't think he's betting those on the flop. Uh, I don't think betting is a disaster at all, but I think it's definitely worth considering a check since likely, you know, it's not super easy. As, sorry. It's not super easy for us to get value since uh, I think we have a decent amount of 8x here. Yeah, I also think that it's very unlikely for, I think, either your opponents to have bluffing ranges here. I think when the the under-the-gun player checks the flop, I think they decided with a lot of their potential bluffing candidates to not take that spot and then when a card comes like this that doesn't really change the board i think people are you know usually not inclined to to bluff at that type of card um and then the player you described on the button um is a pretty straightforward tag player so i would guess that he is definitely under bluffing when everyone checks him on the flop and also when everyone checks him on the turn so my my first instinct jack is yeah like it's you know it's a little ambitious in like a tournament as opposed to a cash game to get two streets with ace queen but at the same time if both of these players aren't really going to be bluffing and both of them have some asex combos that were dominating in their range I, I think i do kind of like betting two streets but maybe just picking you know sizing a sizing that uh is more likely to get calls for two streets so something like you know, a, a two thousand ish dollar sizing uh, on this street, and assuming we get one call from one of those players, like a a four thousand dollar sizing on the on the river. I almost think we get more value by betting a larger sizing on the river if it checks through. It seems like under the gun is likely to have you know a lot of nines through kings in his range. Gareth, what do you think the button player is doing with like? Ace nine suited on this flop. Do you think he's checking it back? Uh, yeah, I do actually. I think he's checking it back. Um, I don't know, upwards of half the time. I, I like that you guys are thinking about under bluffing um, and who's likely to do it in what situations. And I agree. He, um, the button is unlikely to be uh, bluffing enough uh, to try and take it away on the flop or bluffing at all. And um, conversely, like the under the gun raiser, he's likely to be over bluffing. I would say this flop, just trying to you know see if he can pick it up for a good price. Uh, and uh, yeah, the a few a few points like um, I'm calling a ton of eight x 
be like I'm calling eight uh, five offsuit preflop. Um, so that might be a, a yeah. bit of a difference between tournament play and and cash game play when the guy makes a two point uh, one x and the, the button flats and it comes to me. I I just have a very wide calling range for that price, which includes yeah eight five off and eight four suited and geez I don't know like just I have a lot of eights in my perceived and in my real range so I also have hands that I do want to bluff like 10-9 and 9-7 uh, and 10-7 uh, I suppose um, and then some like bad club hands you know some, if I'm calling 8-4 suited then I'll have some club hands like uh, queen deuce of clubs uh, that'll, that'll also want to be bluffing um, so I felt like, uh, oh, and it's a 500 pound tournament. Um, I don't know if that changes things, but yeah, I think a hundred pounds tournament, we should always go for two streets. There's not even a question. Um, mm-hmm. the standard is still quite low, I would say, uh, for, for the buy-in level. I felt like I should go for two streets here. Um, not with all my aces, but if I'm going to go for two streets with any ace, uh, this would be, like, the perfect one, basically. And um, while it's not the top of my uh, value betting range, uh, either on this street, and it certainly won't be on the river, um, I do have hands that are going to have no showdown value on most river cards. Uh, so those hands want to bet if they can and uh, use the eight. Uh, similarly, like our main villain in the hand who opened in early position, he doesn't have a lot of eights. Like he checks as the as the initial raiser, um, and then the middle card pairs. Typically, there's some spots where we would think he has uh, turned trips a lot with like a pot controlling hand, but you know uh, he doesn't open offsuit eights under the gun, so he can only have. 8-9 suited, 10-8 suited, that kind of hand. Uh, there's only two combos of each of those, so I think we're, yeah, uh, I, I think we're doing well against his pot controlling range, which is most of his range, and then similarly for the button. And the, the good thing about having 8x in our own range is that they can't um, they can't just like bluff raise us or anything like that, so we can pretty much go for two streets like happily, I suppose. Does all that uh, make sense? All that rambling? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the gist of it being that we're going to be bluffing a lot here. So it's okay for us to dip into our pool of ASX hands, you know, in addition to our 8X hands for value, which I think makes sense. Uh, I'm I'm a little surprised to hear that the under-the-gun player is going to be opening A10 suited at a 10-handed table under the gun, but that might just be... I guess I thought tournament ranges were a little bit tighter than that. Uh, I don't play very many tournaments. Well, he's also he's the big stack at the table and has a skill edge. So even if it ten eight suited is like a little bit too loose than is optimal, like it's probably not that far off. Yeah, I mean we shouldn't rule it out. Is what I mean to say. Like, yeah, we definitely shouldn't rule it out for for the reasons uh, you just said. Like he has a big stack and. Um, he likes playing post flop with people. 
So, yeah, and um, we have a clear value target with our ace queen, right? We have, uh, like, any ace x that he decided to pop control, and then any ace x that um, button checks back, uh, just because that's what the button does with ace nine, ace ten in this spot, uh, for whatever reason. All right. So, I, yeah, I chose 2,500 to 5,800, and uh, only the initial raiser called. So, again, the button has to previous uh, read, like, the button's just, I don't know, you know, he probably had a hand that was a good candidate. And he had a good image, but he was just didn't see what, didn't like what he saw in them. So, yeah, I bet 2,500 and, and uh, our big stack uh, skilled villain calls. And uh, the river is uh, the four of clubs completing the front door flush. I don't have the queen of clubs. I have the diamonds and the queen of spades. And the pot's about 11,000. Um, mm-hmm. So well, now we have another decision. One thing I'll just comment about the bet size on the turn. Given how polarized we are, I definitely don't mind betting a little bit larger. I think this uh, the player under the gun will understand that we're polarized and that he has you know we want to make his decision a little bit tougher uh you know with his asex hands so I, I don't mind betting a little bit larger but i'd be interested to hear like why you like that sizing or why you chose the sizing just, yeah i mean i'm i'm just choosing the sizing that i think i would make with 10-9 and with queen deuce um it's a sizing that uh suggests a riverbed could be coming 2500 and 5800 i think i think it's going to get the maximal like two streets from the button like it'll set me up to bet what i think i can get the most out of the buttons turn call range um Mm -hmm. so i'm yeah i mean i'm always trying to go for max against the button uh but at the same time i don't think it really sacrifices anything uh for when for when I end up uh, with my range against the uh, initial racer on the river, um, whereas yeah, I, think- I think smaller, yeah, and the, and again like the preflop size was only seventeen hundred, so twenty five hundred and fifty eight hundred. It's not it's not a big bet by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I think I think that's totally. I re- I like that against the the buttons range. Uh, which I think probably we're value targeting a little bit more just because we think that there's potentially more ASX hands in this range. And also we would just prefer to end up heads up with him rather than under the gun who has the potential to make our life a little bit more difficult or just at least play better against us. So yeah, that makes sense to me. I like that. So um, what do you want? What do you guys want to do on this four of clubs river? I've keeping keeping in mind like five seven and club club. Uh, yeah. Hands hands we're bluffing with God there. Uh, we still have some here. We still have ten nine, ten seven, nine seven. Um, so you said it was the ten of clubs. Uh, it was the four of clubs. Four, four of clubs. clubs. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, ace eight eight six four three clubs. My my thoughts are that against a good player. It's pretty ambitious to value target like worse ASEX or potentially like me. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're getting calls by like nines through kings. So I just think there's we don't really have much of a value target here, and a lot of draws came in. So I think definitely check evaluate is the best play against a player who 
is certainly capable of turning you know a worse pair into a bluff potentially even a worse ace into a bluff and i think we can also like jack you were saying we were more value targeting the button versus the under the gun player because that under the gun player is more likely to be betting their asex hands uh on the flop so yeah I, i just think uh the this player has some floats some worse hands and some draws that got there and against that range we should we should check evaluate and it's kind of a little bit too thin to go for for value yeah i i think i agree that it's too thin to go for value i'm i'm probably planning on check calling most sizings a couple of things that we said earlier that are weighing into this for me would be that we think he's going to be bluffing a lot on the flop uh there weren't really any bluffs that got added on the turn so i think this card you know doesn't hit his range very well but i don't think we're getting very much value at all betting here i think it's very feasible that he'll only call with better hands and so i think we just have to give him an opportunity to bluff and i think this player once we check here some players aren't going to want to turn any of their pairs into bluffs because they think that we might just be checking a ton of flushes but other players will you know will bluff into us here so i think that's our only really solid shot to get more value here with our hand although i think we're good a lot here so I'm definitely not looking to fold very often. Yeah, I agree. Um, we're good here a lot. I, I don't think I'm uh, calling it if I check. If I check, as you said, like he doesn't have many bluffs. So I just think his betting range is... Like he sh- if I, when I check, he should check almost always. And when he doesn't, it's super suspicious. Uh, but he could... Yeah, I don't know. Um, what to do if, if we check uh in any case i i did go for value i feel like there's there's just enough worse asex that he would pop control the flop because as we said like he's opening maybe more than is optimal at 10 handed table so that'll include hands like ace three suited and ace 10 off ace jack he might he probably folds ace 10 off pre but ace 10 suited ace jack yeah, I feel like a lot of our ace X should check this river, but I feel like ace queen is strong enough to to value bet. And um, I don't see a lot of value in checking. I just think it's going to go check check so much. So mm-hmm. I I actually I don't know. I I think since so many of his ace X hands are like you know ace three suited, ace four suited, like if if you checked to me and I'm holding those hands on this runout, like. I'm not feeling like I'm going to check and win very often at all. Like, for one, this card, like, this runout is so good for your range relative to his range that it, it would, I would feel like you would be crazy not to bet again, you know, with 9-7 suited. Or not, nine, well, yeah, but 9-7 with, with no flush. So I think when you do check, I think you're just checking because, you know, you, you're not at the top of your range and I'm willing to take a stab at it. Maybe I'm just giving this guy... Maybe I'm off base and or giving this guy too much credit. But yeah, I just don't think there's a ton of value in, in getting... I don't think you're getting very many calls by worse in this spot. Yeah, I, I think that, of course, he's... You know, some of his worst ASEX combos, he's pot controlling on the flop. But I think it's safe to say that a majority of, of aces he's betting on this type of flop because it's, you know, this is like a, a good aggressive player who's going to be CBEP bluffing a ton on an ace X texture, even to two other players. So I think he'll be 
not just betting ace-king and ace-queen for value. I think he'll be probably betting ace-jack and ace-ten. Ace-ten suited for value there. And then maybe maybe a hand like ace-ten suited. And when you bet twice here, like Jack was saying, you just have such a range advantage that I, I think a decent player isn't just going to be like calling off with their their worst aces here, unless you two have a little bit of history of this tournament that I'm that I'm unaware of. I think they're probably going to be overfolding those types of hands. And yeah, I just think there's more value in checking. Okay, well, yeah, now things are about to get interesting. So I went for the val- the value bet. Uh, whether it's good or not, it's unclear to me. But uh, I think it's at least close. And um, I bet sixty five hundred into like eleven thousand. And after a little bit, he raised to twenty two thousand five hundred or twenty two thousand eight hundred. I can't re- remember which. And I was surprised. And uh, I looked at him. And he was shaking. He was like physically shaking when, after maybe thirty seconds of uh, being in the tank, like he was he was shaking bodily. I don't know. His like face was shaking. I, I've never <laughs> seen uh, like, but not in a huge way. You know, just like in he was a really nervous, uh, giving off this real nervousness or excitement or whatever adrenaline coursing through his veins. So I had this thought like. Uh, well, he could check the flop with top set. That would make sense. But I have a blocker to top set. So maybe yeah. I should just, like, jam for a min-raise bluff. Like, I have a, I have a bit more than a min-raise uh, if I jam. Um, but then I remembered that, like, there are eight other people at this table who aren't very good at poker. So that would be a pretty big mistake. Like, in cash, you guys um, probably don't have this consideration too much. Um, you can just take like EV spots if they're there but um, yeah I'm in the third bullet of a 500 uh, pound tournament with a million pound guarantee and like there's just a lot of value to staying in the tournament I've I like I'm saying I'm on the third bullet I mean I've gotten a good survey of the kind of players who are playing in this tournament and um I should just, as I started, like, uh, the hand history, I I shouldn't play big pots uh, against one of the top ten players. So, yeah, I threw jamming at the window, and I I threw calling at the window, actually, as well, uh, for both of those reasons, even though it seems so hard for him to have it. Like, how could he he (laughs) possibly have it in this spot, you know? Well... Um, Yeah, so I I did fold. Yeah, well, one... (laughs) I thought you might fold once you rolled out calling or raising, but so I'm just thinking about his range, and you know, like like you said, aces makes decent sense. Eight x, which we said he has some on the turn, doesn't make a ton of sense here. Flushes makes sense, but I don't think he has very many. You know, we think we thought he was betting a lot of them on the flop. When he raises us here, that's definitely evidence that you know, he could have aces. He could be light. But it also makes it more likely that he did, you know, have some flushes uh, that he decided to, you know, play this way just because there's not many other hands that he would want to play this way. But I, and I, I think it's a, a weird spot to bluff. So I definitely don't mind folding. I don't think I like raising because I think he's polarized such that we would rather call than raise. So I'm just trying to decide, like, it's really just, you know, trying to figure out how many value hands versus, like, is this player ever going to be turning pairs into a bluff. And if what I will point out is that if this player is turning pairs into a bluff, he's got a lot of bluffs. 
So I'm probably leaning towards a call, especially based on the fact that this player is shaking. I just think that he doesn't have a ton of flushes in his range. You know, we block aces. So, you know, if he's going to be turning hands like ace three and ace four, you know, ace five into bluffs, he's probably turning all of them into bluffs. You know, most players aren't good enough to only turn a few of those into bluffs. So that's like, you know, 12 to 16 bluff combos, you know, if, if we're including ace deuce uh, or even some like ace nine. So, you know, given the fact that this player could be bluffing a lot, uh, depending on how he plays his range, I like calling. Yeah, I'm actually kind of of the camp that we should be folding or raising here. I think for the reasons Gareth outlined um, about just like trying to find better spots with a big stack in a really soft tournament, this is a fold. But I think raising is interesting here because if this is a good player, I think he's going to be correctly raising flushes for value here and also has some bluff. So I think when we, you know, with our ace blocker, you know, ship it in here, I think this player is, you know, is only really going to call with full houses. And I think when they raise here, given that they do have some bluffs and some thinner flush raises, I think we're getting clearly enough folds for it to be plus EV in like a, you know, looking at this hand in a vacuum. So I I like raising here, but I, I think just given the fact that, you know, it's a soft tournament, it's, it's, it's probably a fold. But if somehow this was like a cash game hand, I think this is actually a, a, a really good spot to turn uh, a hand like Ace Queen into a bluff. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I agree. Like when we actually don't have the Queen of Clubs, um, we don't block like his flushes that he just decided to check King Queen of Clubs on the swamp for whatever reason. But yeah, I think I think it's sort of out of the question. It's really hard to, for him to have it. That is what played in my mind a little bit. But uh, I uh, sometimes go for it too much. I think, and uh, I just, yeah, I folded. And um, he told me his hand after, and I, like, couldn't even believe it, but he was such a sweet guy and so convincing. And, and he, you know, he, like, told me again and again, like, even after I was out of the tournament. So I have no reason, I have basically no reason to, to believe he was lying. Any guesses? Queens. Ah. Uh. This is this this introduction, so it has to be like a really weird hand. I mean, I, I I think given that you say that, it's probably a bluff, and a weird bluff. Yeah, I think some type of hand that was turned into a bluff. I would guess a hand like queens or even like a an ace x hand. I think would be the two most likely candidates. Um, so I guess I bluffed you both there. He had he had ace of hearts, eight of hearts, um, for like top two on the flop that turned the second nuts and then raise the river uh, and that was just I mean it's incredible because I would never have put him on checking that but uh, his explanation made sense afterwards and and uh, another good player convinced me actually that this would be a good hand to check the flop with um, even though yeah I wouldn't as I wouldn't. It wouldn't have struck me as part of the balanced like strategy to, to check this flop with this hand in his spot. Um, but yeah, uh, some players better than me have been uh, pretty adamant that that's a good spot to check for him with top two. Uh, even though, like, I, yeah, even though there there seems like uh, a lot of value 
there's a lot of reason to go for three streets when you get this kind of disguised hand. And uh, I, I do believe him, even though like I was so skeptical. Like he said, oh, I, I had ace eight suited, and uh, over the table, I was just like, oh, there's no like, there's no way. <laughs> like, what a bluff! You're bluffing me after the hand too. Um, but no, I think I think he did have it. So yeah. Um, do you want to talk about nice. Gareth? Uh, what? Why it's a good spot to check? Because I'm, I'm not convinced that it's yet that that's right. Yeah. Well, exploitively, he was saying that he thought that the button would bet ace jack ace queen, and then like he can essentially almost stack him, like he's going to check raise uh, against the button's ace jack ace queen hands, and then the button uh, is not a hand reader at all, and the button also take like makes bigger bet sizes when he shouldn't. So on this flop. It's 5,800 in the pot. When the bun does have uh, ace-queen, like, he's going to bet probably 4,000. And then our our uh, under-the-gun player is going to check-raise, and the, the button's going to make huge fatal mistakes. So um, I thought that was really salient. I thought that was a really good point. And um, for my, uh, yeah, a better tournament player than me, uh, so not anyone who's watching this hand said uh it's just hard to get three streets like you know from worse when you when you bet out here uh and uh yeah i think that you know when we have ace king we don't block 8x that might call once ace 8 and ace king are like sort of equally vulnerable you know to the three outer from ace jack so if it feels like you're going to get two from ace jack and it's going to fold the river a lot you can't get that 8x call for me on the flop because uh, I have less 8-7 when you have ace-8. I don't know, it seems... And, and uh, yeah, this isn't the... You need two cards to have a gut shot on this flop, so it's not the wettest board. Like, you're not uh, giving up that much protection. So I, I was ultimately actually convinced that was a good flop check by, by our villain. Um... Both exploitively and uh, from like a GTO perspective, I don't know if that if I explained that well though. So I don't know gave, what you guys think. I mean, you definitely gave some evidence towards it. You know, having so there are some good situations that definitely come out of checking a state there. It's you know, it's one of those spots where it's it's just generally hard to get a lot of value because you have such a range advantage. So if I, I would understand saying that, like, you know, we need to start playing some of our hands a little bit more deceptively just because we're not getting value, you know, with our, our huge rage advantage. And yeah, a hand like Ace 8 isn't going to get a whole lot more, you know, value than a hand like Ace King. So we might as well check Ace 8 since it blocks some of our value targets, at least for one street. That makes sense to me. I would just have to sort of spend more time on it on my own and think about, you know, what our whole range looks like here and think about how our opponents will play. Like, I, I think sometimes, I mean, generally a theme on our podcast is like, what is balanced? Should we do it? Like, because our opponents are bad. <laughs> so I think against you, it's probably a good idea to check some ace eight uh, against the button. I'm not sure. But I guess if you're, if you're claiming it's a good idea against the button, then I think in this particular, particular instance, it sounds like it was a good play. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I definitely think that 
this could be part of a GTO, like a, a solver might put Ace-8 as a check here, but I'm not convinced for exploitative reasons that this is a check. I think that, you know, Gareth, like you said, if the button has like a better Ace hand, they're going to be betting out 4,000. When the Undergun player check raises, my, again, I haven't played many tournaments, but like the player, as you describe, like a straightforward tag player who like knows how to play poker and has known how to play poker for years and hasn't adjusted. Like, this is a player when there's, like, an early position raise and a check raise on an ace-high board. I think this is a player that overfolds and makes hero folds. So I think the clearest way to get value from their worst ace hands, ace-x, is just by betting pretty straightforwardly. Uh, You were saying, like, you could really only get two streets from ace-jack. Like, I'm not necessarily sure about that. And And in my experience, like players like this that would like bet out big with like an ace and then get check raised will just be like okay he has to have he has to have it i also think that if this player like you said is really opening pretty wide under the gun uh and this is a really good board to to see bet for them i i just think that you're probably going to be calling them with like if the button folds like you're calling him with a ton of hands so yeah i just think he's he's missing value uh by by checking and yeah if the button like were to bet call and then like call another big bet every time that he has ace jack or ace queen this is a clear check but i'm i'm not convinced in that assumption which seems to be the assumption that for exploitative reasons make this makes this a good check one other nice thing about oh well first of all zach i I agree with almost everything you said from like a gto perspective it would be nice to actually bet some of our ace eight uh just because generally an eight is just a terrible card for our betting range so if we if we have some board coverage that's nice i think that's really minor in the scope of this hand so yeah i guess i guess i'm unconvinced but i think it's definitely an interesting thing to consider and i look forward to considering it more (laughs) yeah i mean like i said i would i just um wasn't in my uh playbook to check there for for reasons uh either balance or exploitative but yeah the guy i mean the guy like i said he doesn't do too well post-flop and he has certain like he raises 4x with tens and three and a half with ace king like yeah i think he just might be over crediting him with with uh hand reading versus a check raise um and again he'll choose a sizing that will inflate the pot uh, when he shouldn't. Uh, so, yeah, basically, like, if we think about the times that the button has a jack when our uh, our hero or our villain has a save, he's going to see bet, like, 2,500, but if he checks, the button's going to bet, like, 4,000. 4, and, and uh, yeah, he's a... Then this big, aggressive stack who's, like, been pushing people around, and and whatever check raises, like, you know, he called ace queen to flop an ace, so I don't think he's going to be too happy about folding right away. And and just like generally going to make larger mistakes um, exploitively. But again, I'm with you guys. I'm 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 in the skeptical camp. But when better players than me like uh, seem insistent, I feel like I have thinking to do so. But that's true, generally, so I have a lot of thinking to do. 